I've left Earth in search of darker planets, a solar system revolving too near a black hole. I've left in search of a new God. I do not trust the God you have given us. My grandmother's hallelujah is only outdone by the fear she nurses every time the blood-fat summer swallows another child who used to sing in the choir. Take your God back. Though his songs are beautiful, his miracles are inconsistent. I want the fate of Lazarus, Ferenisha, want Chucky, Bo, Meech, Trayvon, Sean, and Janila risen three days after their entombing. Their ghosts regifted flesh and blood. Their flesh and blood regifted their children. I've left Earth. I am equal parts sick of your go back to Africa, and I just don't see race. Neither did the poplar tree. We did not build your boats, though we did leave a trail of kin to guide us home. We did not build your prisons, though we did, and we fill them too. We did not ask to be part of your America. Though are we not America, her joints brittle and dragging a ripped gown through Oakland? I can't stand your ground. I'm sick of calling your restlessness the law. Each night I count my brothers, and in the morning, when some do not survive to be counted, I count the holes they leave. I reach for black folks and touch only air. Your master magic trick, America. Now he's breathing. Now he don't. Abracadaver. White bread voodoo. Sorcery you claim not to practice. Hand my cousin a pistol to do your work. I tried, white people. I tried to love you, but you spent my brother's funeral making plans for brunch, talking too loud next to his bones. You took one look at the river, plump with the body of a boy after girl after sweet boy, and ask why does it always have to be about race? Because you made it that way because you put an asterisk on my sister's gorgeous face, call her pretty for a black girl, because black girls go missing without so much as a whisper of where, because there are no amber alerts for amber-skinned girls, because Jordan boomed, because Emmett whistled, because Huey P. spoke, because Martin preached, because black boys can always be too loud to live. Because it's taken my papa's and my grandma's time, my father's time, my mother's time, my aunt's time, my uncle's time, my brother's and my sister's time. How much time do you want for your progress? I left Earth to find a place where my kin can be safe, where black people ain't but people the same color as the good, wet earth, until that means something. Until then, I bid you well. I bid you war. I bid you our lives to gamble with no more. I've left earth, and I am touching everything you beg your telescopes to show you. 
I'm giving the stars their right names. And this life, this new story and history, you cannot steal or sell or cast overboard or hang or beat or drown or own or redline or shackle or silence or cheat or choke or cover up or jail or shoot or jail or shoot or jail or shoot or ruin. This, if only this one, is ours. Dear White America by Denez Smith. Welcome to Millennial Mystics, a podcast about modern mysticism and the people making it theirs. Together, we explore all angles of mystical subjects for both beginning and advanced practitioners and bring marginalized voices front and center. Prepare to laugh, learn, and decondition. So grab a pen and your grimoire and let's get going. Welcome back. So because of the recent events, we have decided to make this entire episode all based on resources. We touched a bit last week at the beginning of the episode, but that we had already like, you know, we'd already had something recorded and obviously things have gotten gotten a lot more volatile since then. So we wanted to dedicate an entire episode to what we can do in general. And because Kaylee and I are both white presenting co-hosts of a podcast, we're not here to like preach anything to anyone except for our fellow white people. Like this is literally about what we can be doing it to support the black community during this time. And like what we're, our goal for today is basically we're going to touch on non-magical resources, like things you can do with your time, your money, your privilege. And then we're also going to touch on some magical resources of what we can be doing. And then finally, we're going to give you guys an overview of occultism actually like within uh, the Nazi community, which I did not realize was a thing. So um, as you know, I'm in Washington, D.C., so you guys are probably going to hear police sirens in the background. I live really close to a police station, so I'll like... That's just something that's going to happen. Curfew just hit. So we're going to be hearing that off and on for the next couple of hours. Kaylee, how are things on the ground in Boston? And also, will you introduce our guest today? Yes. So I'll start by introducing our guest and then I'll get into uh, what things are looking like um, in Boston. But hi, everybody. Please welcome my lovely partner, Nathan Harkins. Hi. How is everyone? Tired. We're all tired. Yeah. <laughs> Super and fucking tired. He is obviously white. You can just tell. I'm just 
And to give you guys a visual, they were wearing matching red plaid shirts. So, you know, as white as they can be presenting today. Yeah. Oh. Looking like country farmer folks. Yeah, no, we look like a couple of lesbians from uh, Vermont right now. So, yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like, give us the lowdown. What's going on in Boston? And then I'll give you the lowdown on what's going on here. So Boston is in its third night of protests. Protests started, um, so this is uh, Tuesday, June 2nd that we're recording. Um, We started protests on the 31st. We had vigils last night. There were no protests. Um, So as far as uh, reports go, I think it's really important that people are hearing from Um, people who are actually on the ground in individual cities um, because there's quite a bit of misinformation going around. Um, And in particular in Boston, there are um, people like in particular the media and then Maura Healy, our attorney general, are spreading misinformation about what has happened at the protests in the state. So there's... I really encourage everybody to talk to people who have actually been at the protests and to take all media with a grain of salt because things are getting really weird right now. Um, And and I got to say, like, I'm a former journalist. So if anybody was going to be like pro media, it would be me. And I will say TV news is not to be trusted. And this is like age old beef between print media and TV media. But the reason why we ha- I have this prejudice is because what sells advertisements is good TV. So I do not like, like, I read my news. And frankly, right now, the best news I'm seeing is coming just like you said, Kaylee, from people who are on the ground, like sharing things as they're happening. Yes. So like, that's actually become like my go-to source. And the source for like, you know, most of us here, like we have been, we've really struggled to find information on like what, like any kind of like protest information. And so we're just literally opening up Snapchat and like seeing where is everybody like sending snaps from and we just go there. That's like how it's been. So yeah, Yeah, that's basically all it is. And that's a lot of what has had to happen around Boston. It's been difficult to get information about what is actually happening around Boston unless you know people who are organizers. Um, So the protests themselves are are large. Uh, The one in particular on Sunday evening was like, several hundred people, probably even closer to a couple thousand. Um, Hard to say the numbers because people are trying not to take photographs so that there isn't um, traceable evidence um, to bring law enforcement back to protesters. Um, But that one was fairly large. Last night was quiet and small. And then tonight there is an, an excuse me, a protest organized by Black Lives Matter Boston. And um, that we are expecting to be much larger and is currently unfolding while we are recording this. Um, So I will know more as the night unfolds, but um, who knows what the rest of this week is going to bring when this episode finally airs. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, the in DC, I believe the protests started on the 28th, 29th ish. I mean, like DC is a super active city, obviously. Um, so surprisingly, and yeah, also right. like a very, very black city. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's actually known as Chocolate City. And is it? it is. Yes, it is. Huh. I used to live on the green line. So on the metro, the metro line, the green line, it's known for hitting all the black neighborhoods. So it's uh, re- so um, the black community here refers to it as the soul train. Really? I, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I lived on the soul train, lived off the soul train for a while. I don't anymore. Now I'm pretty removed, but um, yeah, like it, it started pretty quickly. It started almost immediately. Yeah. And I went out on Sunday. So Sunday was May 31st is when I went out. And like there were a lot of people there. Today is Tuesday. And like Ian went out today. I didn't. And it was thousands more. Yeah. It was like so many more people. Good. And I will say that, you know, when I went, there was like the thing that really struck me was that the police are very clearly not interested in this being peaceful. And correct. Yes. And I have to say, like, my father was a police officer for 16 years. So like police police have always been near and dear to my heart. And my dad has said from the beginning from Michael Brown, he was like, police officers are racist. Like it's just, it's, and it's not conscious. It's just there. Just like all white people are racist. Okay. Like we all benefit from systems of oppression and it's only until we can admit that we're all racist that can we, that we can see how we're enacting racism. Right. So like I have always like had a soft spot in my heart for police officers. But what I saw when I was there was really upsetting to me because, you know, first of all, there was very clearly an effort to put black officers front and center. Mm -hmm. It really kind of grossed me out. And the second thing, and I have to, I'm going to let you guys know, I'm probably going to cry a lot today because I'm a Pisces and that is what I do. I am not going to cry a lot. I saved that for off microphone, but I um, I have been crying all day, so. Yeah. So, and the other thing is that, like, the white officers, many of them were clearly, like, smirking, snickering, and it was just, like, horrific. Like, honestly, I was honestly shocked at the, like, lack of professionalism there. You had black officers who were stone-faced, you know, and they're, they're being subjected to jeering as well, because it's like, of course, what do you tell your kids at night, like, how can you do this? Like change sides, yada, yada, all of this stuff. Yeah. Turn in your badge. Yeah. And then, you know, next to them, right next to them, they have like white officers, like snickering under their breath and smirking at the crowd. And it's just like, I can't imagine the experience of anybody there. And um, when I was there, it was getting to a point this was around like probably like 4 p.m or so like I was like you know I'm not obviously not trying to make myself friend center but when I went to this like I dressed up like my professional ass self because I was like I'm not showing up in like any anything that can be deemed like I don't know like you know that somebody would suspect me of anything because I know how I look I look like a like I have a baby face so I'm like I'm gonna show up in a fucking blazer 
and I'm going to like look professional. So that way, if I need to get involved in something, like it's going to immediately diffuse the situation. You can walk in and wear your lawyer hat. Exactly. Right. So it's like, I'm there. I got a gator visor, like Florida gators visor on. I'm like wearing sneakers looking like a mom. So it's like, (laughs) I'm there and like the crowd is getting really tense because it's like people are screaming and like they had blocked off Lafayette Park, which is right outside the White House. And then they let people in to a certain point. So you could see the White House, but it's still so, I mean, it's still really far away. Normally it's like, you know, they've got the street in front of the White House open. So you can like see across the yard and that wasn't happening. Um, so like we're, they let everybody in to a certain point and we're like, you know, standing maybe like probably like 15 to 20 feet away from the fence. And I, and like, everybody's like yelling and chanting and whatever. But I saw these like two young men, like two young black men, probably like late teens, early twenties. Like I can't imagine they're older than like 23. And these two guys were just like really going at the officers, like really jeering them and like really yelling and like saying some like mean things, which they are 100% entitled to say. And it was like, like yeah, right. Yeah. It's like they're in pain. Absolutely. Scream whenever you want. But you could feel like, especially me being an empath, I'm sitting there and I feel the tension rising and rising and rising in the crowd. And I can tell it's like, it's like almost, it feels almost like a bubble that's about to pop. And I, and I feel it on both sides. Like I feel it from officers who are getting jeered at and I'm feeling it from a crowd that's screaming at them. And I had this moment where I was like, the tension was like, I was like really starting to panic internally. And I was like, it's going to pop. The bubble's going to pop. Like I can tell. And I had this moment where I saw these boys and someone threw a water bottle at the officers. And I was like, something's going to happen because now it's like getting to that point. And I just like panicked. And I had said to Ian, I just like ran off. Cause I was like, they're going to shoot those. Bo- they're going to shoot those men. They're going to shoot those men. Those are going to be the first men they shoot. I was like, I have to get over there. And like my tiny little like white lady hedgehog self just like burrowed her way through the crowd. And I just got to this guy and I, I tapped on his arm. And like, these are, when I say like they're I wanted to call them boys, even though they're clearly men, because they have like these slight frames. They're like tall and lanky. They still look like teenagers to me. And like I tap on his arm and I was just like, please let me stand in front of you. I'm afraid. I'm afraid you're going to get shot. And I had to like put myself right in the front. And he was like, oh, my God, of course. And he was like, I can't believe you would do that. And I was just like, I wanted all the white people to get in front of the the black people who were jeering, but you know, I'm just one in a crowd of thousands. But I got in front of these two young men and I just like let them scream from behind me. And it was one of those things where the second I stepped out there in my linen blazer, it was like, I saw the officers, like their body language changed. Like their hands went from hovering over their guns to hovering over their batons, which is definitely like a, like a fallback from that. And I thought it was just me. I'm not going to like, I'm not here saying I'm a white savior or anything. Well, the first thing these two men yelled out, they were like, oh yeah, you're not tense anymore now that we have a white lady defending us. And I was like, that's like really when it slapped me in the face. And I was just like, this is how they feel in front of officers all the time. Is that like just disgust and tension and hatred and like viewing them as like troublemakers I would take it further and say that fear that you felt that you were the one standing there alone. 
um, mm-hmm. is actually probably more accurate to what they feel like. Um, in moments like that, it's the boon of the crowd is where you feel solidarity mm-hmm. and where you feel courage and where you feel power, right? And this is, I mean, this is not just me waxing poetic here. This is documented and studied about crowd dynamics. There is power to a crowd and you standing on the edge of the crowd, you know, quite literally and also sort of symbolically, um, standing apart that way, being alone that way is, is, I would say, much closer to what a daily experience for Black people in America is like. It's the closest proxy. It's nothing like what the actual experience is, but that kind of lonely fear is is much closer. Yeah, it was like, it it filled my whole body. I was so panicked. And it was one of those things where I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to stand in front because I know they're not going to like shoot a white lady. Like for sure. Especially right. not a white lady in a blazer and a blush cami. Like, no. Well, I mean, I will say that like, they will beat the shit out of you. Oh yeah, they'll beat the shit out of me, but they're not going to kill me. And that was really the thing is I was like, I got to get to the front because, and and it really did, like it immediately shifted that entire area because they were just like, all of a sudden the officers were like staring down like a 5'2 white lady. Right. And I mean, that was earlier in the day, but I stayed there as long as I could for like probably like an hour, just like letting them scream whatever they wanted from behind yeah. me. And like any time they like moved out, it was like, get right behind me. And I had my arms spread out and I was just like, and when I left, um, when I left, I turned to another white woman behind me and I said, will you take my place? Because like I, they, like they deserve to be, to be angry and to like express that and I'm not leaving them exposed. And she was like, oh my God, yes. Like it was just, you could tell there was like not even a second thought, just like the seamless, like, you know, she slipped right in and then I was, then I left and it was just like, it was one of those things where it was like such a small thing that really made it so visible to me. And it's like, I consider myself pretty educated on this issue and everything. And, you know, this was still such a shocking experience for me. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I, like seeing that play out, like, I know I have privilege. Yeah. Seeing that play out like that in real time is just like, you know, that's not something I would ever forget. Yeah. It's the, energy was close to that and close to what is currently going on in Boston during the post Charlottesville Mm. um, protests when the group of white supremacists came and tried to hold their rally and the counter protest came. Um, The energy on that was, was very tense. It is nothing like what is going on in Boston right now. The energy now is very different than that. It's it's tense, but it's a different kind of tense. Um, for that that um, particular counter protest, it was very clear that the police were protecting the original protesters, the white supremacists, um, which you will not hear. Uh, come from most people in Boston, but it was very clear that that was the case, that they surrounded the gazebo sort of thing that they were holding their rally and escorted them um, a certain distance from the common, um, but did not continue to 
escort them um, to wherever it was their transportation was. Um, And if the crowd had turned and tried to, in the presence of the police, attack these protesters, um, that it would have been absolutely that the police would have attacked the counter-protest and not the rally that incited it. Um, And this is something that's really not talked about in Boston, um, in polite society, because that's the way Boston fucking is. Um, But Boston is racist as fuck. And I don't just mean the police. Boston is racist as fuck. It has a very serious history of um, racist policy uh, around the city. And I don't live in the city. I'm a fairly good distance outside of the city. But um, it's palpable everywhere you go. This is, it's an insidious version of racism because it's so liberal that you just assume that there's no way racism and liberalism goes hand in hand, but it does. It really does. Oh, absolutely. If you you look into Boston busing uh, in the 60s and 70s, um, that's all you need to know about how Boston still is. Yeah. All of those policies are absolutely um, inherited by everybody who's living here now. And it's frustrating because Boston has this reputation of being kind of a so, liberal mecca. Is like it is from from somebody who's like never lived there, has hasn't traveled there, has only known it known it by reputation. That's how it's viewed. It absolutely is viewed that way, and in some ways it is, but it's not good enough. It's just fucking not good enough. And it's also used as a fence to say, well, this is how far we go. Mm. We don't need to go further than this. We're already further than everybody else. We don't need to go further. And it's it's lazy. It's um, privileged as fuck. And it's incredibly palpable everywhere you go. Mm. It's... um it's just the the argument that's going around during this time right now is that it's not enough just to be just to not be racist you have to be anti-racist yeah and although you know boston as a whole can be seen as a non-racist place it's not anti-racist well so we're people who live here are comfortable saying that Boston is racist. And I think it's an important point to make that what we are talking about is systemic racism versus individual racism. There are plenty of individual racists in Boston. Like there just are, but the, this is America. They're everywhere. They're fucking everywhere. And um, they're the vast majority of people out there. You will yeah. walk, if you just take a random walk down a sidewalk, you know, pre-COVID, um, most of the people that you come across are going to be racist. That's just yeah. the way it is. And the thing about Boston is that it's easy to live as 
someone who is an individual racist because the systemic racism is so insidious under this veil of neoliberalism. Mm. Yeah. DC's interest has an interesting city dynamic as well. It's one of the most segregated cities in America. Um, you basically literally have like the majority of white people live in Northwest. I live here now. Like this is, I moved here um, like nine months ago and only because I liked the apartment. I didn't even know about this until I moved. And I was like, wait a minute, what happened in my neighborhood? Um, and then like, the majority of the black people in DC all live in Southeast. It's literally across, like diagonally across. Mm. Um, but the one thing that's good is that um, DC's has like, despite being like city-wise, one of the most segregated cities in America, employment figures are actually like almost 50-50 here. So that's good. But it's because like we have the government here. So the government has like, open open records on who's hired and who's and all of these things so because of that like there's no co there's no opportunity for covert racism because it would be seen immediately mm -hmm. that's why so that's like the you think that's like the saving grace in dc is the is the government um but yeah it is it is still a very segregated city and like i think that you know, I, like there's ra entrenched racism everywhere, but at the very least here, you know, most people, generally most people are fairly woke and aware and very anti-racist. Like it's, you know, it's definitely more of a liberal Mecca, even in a Republican administration, even in a racist administration, like one, like the one we have now, DC as a city is very organized, very woke and like very supportive as a community. So at least that. Yeah. I would say that Boston thinks it's more woke than it is. Yeah. They mm -hmm. have the myth around it being a college town. And so all of these students that are here bring diverse perspectives and are more, you know, open-minded and vocal, which generally is true, but it's so easy for people in Boston to say, we're already doing it. Mm. We're already, you're the ones, you should be modeling yourselves off of us. We're already farther along than all of you. And Boston so is they take a back. <laughs> Say again. That Boston is Amy Cooper calling the police on someone bird watching because they Fuck, know they that's fucking the, are. Yeah. They fucking yeah, are. Yeah, because they and know that the system works for them. They do. Absolutely. And so they're like, well, we are good. I would never do that. And you do. Time after yeah. time after time after time. There are plenty of black people who have been killed by police in Boston. And you hear about it even less. Oh my God. That was something when I was you know, standing in front of those two men, one of them shouted out 64 men. You killed 64 black men last year in DC. I had no idea. I had no fucking idea. And I live here, you know? Yep. So like, that's what I'm saying. Like, where is like, that's why you need to be getting your information like on the ground. That's just how it's got to be. Frankly. So we, we wanted to give listeners resources in this yeah. episode and frankly if you are 
using resources that are not written by black people in America, it is not a resource. You need to throw it out. You are not getting your information from a black person in America. Throw it out. I don't want to fucking hear it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's a great segue then. Thank you. So we can talk about the resources. So so basically like number one thing you can use with your privilege is like no, like being there and using, like you can literally use your body in the sense that you are a white presenting, show up very clean, show up very professional and get ready to get ready to like be in person and be there and put yourself between others and film shit as well because you can get away filming shit. That's one Um, thing. I will say that be very, very, very judicious and cautious about what and who you are filming. Film the police. Do not film protesters. Yeah. Absolutely. Like 100% only film the police. If you do have to film protesters just because like whatever is happening is with police and it's it's a mix of bodies. There are plenty of resources. We can link to some um, about scrubbing metadata from your um, media. And if there are any protesters in anything that you are sharing, you absolutely must scrub metadata. You must blur and you cannot use Photoshop. Um, and we will we'll link to some resources and guidance on how to do that. Um, If you are carrying a phone, there are resources um, that we can share about what to do to make sure that you are not being tracked because there are many um, states and local um, cities, uh, depending on which state that you're in, that are allowed to use um, technology like Stingray which is a tracking system um, to catch phones in locations. Um, So they are actually, you know, scrubbing information while you are at the protest. Mm. Um, So it's, it's dark. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is really fucking happening right now. And it has been, it has been happening. Um, I've been going to protests around Boston for years and it's always been happening. Um, This is not anything new. It just hasn't, been anything that warranted the police really using it yeah but they've always had this they've always Um, had it like take it from me i used to be a criminal justice reporter this technology has always been there they've always had it it goes along with the militarization of police forces in america this is like big time post 9-11 freedom act bullshit um and uh Snowden told you so. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So anyway, what are that's a whole some other hole. things you can do if you're not going? And this is this is for the for the nomadges among us. Mm. Nomadges and the magical folks. Like money and time. Money, time, education. These are things that we can all be doing. I've yes. done like I've like and it doesn't have to be a lot. If you donate a dollar, that's good. You Anything. know, but 
like bailout funds. So people who are getting arrested. Yes. If you are not going to a protest, if you are not putting your privileged body between people inciting violence, between police inciting violence onto black bodies, if you are not putting your privileged body between them, you need to make sure that they are out of jail. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I believe this is for the attorneys. Let me just find it real quick. Um, Yeah, the Lawyers Committee on Civil Rights under the law. If you're an attorney, they're providing training in different areas. So you can go down to the front lines and be an attorney on the scene. So they're training you to film the police and then like engage in representation on the spot when people are arrested, when people are tear gassed. So if that's something that you feel like you're capable of doing, definitely reach out. I know that's in DC- a huge resource. Yeah. If you are able to do that, please do that. In DC, they're already tapped out. They have so many volunteers that they're, they're not even taking anybody anymore, but you know- Send like, them up to, send them literally anywhere else. Like th- yes, there are so literally. many people that need it. Atlanta is really bad right now. It's- Oh my God. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. And the other thing that you can do is if that does become an eventuality for lawyers that they need to go to other cities um, to help, then another resource is you can provide space, give somebody Mm -hmm. a couch to sleep on while they're here um, or, you know, drive them around or, put together packages of um, necessary items like first aid kits and um, water bottles, food for protesters to carry while they are protesting. Yeah, literally um, go out and start passing it out on the corner. Like no, like people are not going to turn that away. That's so needed. Bring milk yeah. you know, so people can help when there's tear gas and pepper spray. I know in DC, it's like the second curfew hits, they start pepper spraying and blowing tear gas. It's- yep. It's ridiculous. So yep. I, I will say with the lawyer thing, there may be issues going to other states because of bar representation uh, right. issues. So um, re- I would say reach out to the state bar and ask what resources are out there because I'm sure that there are multiple people who need help. I think you could probably go to the courts as well and let them know that you're free for appointment for anybody. Mm. Like you can be appointed to represent anybody charged with anything regarding the protests. So those are things you can do as an attorney. Um, but yeah, like that it, and if you're not like Kaylee said, if you're not going down there, spend money and spend like, and like use your voice, like spread information, like put things out there, not from your own perspective, reshare, highlight the right things, point people toward the voices who are saying all the things that we need to know right now. And check who's saying it. So the day that we're recording this, um, social media has been kind of taken over by Blackout Tuesday, but people have been using it incorrectly and pulling it from the wrong resources. Um, it is absolutely crucial that you understand where some of these movements are coming from. Um, and really, all, it, it doesn't take much effort. You just click back through something, figure out who initiated it. If it was not a Black activist, please don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, now is the time if you're going to be educating yourself, black authors, that's where you need to be going nowhere else. You can also support black artists, black businesses. Like if you're going to be buying anything right now, buy from black owned companies. Like that's something you can do. 
Um, yep. I know like I had posted a status earlier, just asking people like, what are your resources for white people? And somebody gave me a ton of like Instagram and Twitter handles of like black people, black activists who are really speaking out and really, in really like incredible, incredibly poignant ways. So I will link all of those in our show notes so you can go follow all of them. Yeah. There's also an app too that, uh, compiles all, um, black owned businesses as well. Uh, black nation. Yep. Awesome. We also, so in the episode, um, from last week, the, there is a particular document that is a compiled resource of reading material activists to follow. It's basically a one-stop cheat sheet. Um, if you have not looked at it, we urge you to look at it. It is yeah. absolutely crucial. It is the first thing that you should do. Yeah, we'll have that in the show notes, um, literally just linking to the document. And anybody who has that link can look at it. So it's totally open. I also, last week in the show notes, put in a really great list that I believe was on medium.com. That was basically like 75 like actions you can take right now. So an another thing that, and Kaylee, you had sent me this today, was like a link for that would automatically send an email on your behalf to the Minneapolis Police Department. Yes, unfortunately, that was an Instagram story and it has since expired. But if you are able to um, figure out how to do that, this person had created a canned email that auto-populated on your phone from your mail app. Um, and all you had to do was fill in the um, like predetermined spot for your name, your location, and then your signature. And then that was it. It was very easy. It took me less than 30 seconds. Um, so I can possibly reach out to that person to see if there's, if they can explain how they did it, but it's, it's a, you are able to do it. It is definitely a thing that you can do. And yeah. being able to send emails directly is very useful if you are writing to um, your representatives or to police departments in your local area. If there are names of individuals that um, have died at the hands of police and justice needs to be brought for them as well. Um, we should be talking about all of the names, all of the people, not just the ones that are in the news right now. We need to bring up all of it because I, I just, I can't. Yeah. I believe, um, resist bot as well. I don't know. Yes. Resist bot is a wonderful tool. Yeah. It's like, it makes it so easy to reach out to your representatives. It's literally just a tech service and you just have a, have an account and they'll be like, Hey, do you want to email? Like, what's your area code? Do you want to send something to your representative? And they have it all filled out. They'll just ask you like, do you have anything else you want to add to this letter? They'll even send physical letters for you. So, and they have a lot of great resources. They're linked to places where you can donate. ResistBot is just a fantastic resource, so we will link to that as well in there. And it's like literally all via text message. And your asses are always on your phone anyway, so you might as well use it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about as much as I can talk about that right now. I just went to like look at my um, look at the Twitter accounts that somebody shared with me and I got a message from someone in the spiritual community about police officers and we need to spread love and light and love of all people. I'm not fucking with that. 
I'm boiling right now. I'm not going to lie to you. And I can't wait to light this chick up and tell her, FYI, my father was a police officer. Do not talk to me about this, okay? Like, don't make assumptions about me. And also, fuck the police, okay? Yes. Yep. Anyway, um, let's move into magical resources because, like, we could spend all day, like, sharing links, but we've got sure. a pretty decent list. We're going to point you in the direction of people who know more than us because that's, that's the best we can do. But Kaylee's got the expertise on the magical lowdown. So this yeah. is another great thing you can be doing. So those of you in the spiritual community, wake the fuck up. All right, yeah, here we let's go. Let's do this. And I will say that this is something that I have personally gotten pushed back on from the spiritual community. So I anticipate that people are going to be incredibly uncomfortable with what I'm going to say. But fucking hex white supremacy. Yes. Hex the police. Yeah, against them. them because they're using it against us. Yes, and we'll get into that. They there is um, very significant um, evidence of white supremacists in America using occultism. So, yeah, if you believe in do no harm, you might as you you have to stop them. That's it. If you're allowing it, you are allowing harm, and you're going against your own stupid fucking read. So, yeah. like, I'm done. It's not enough. To not be racist, you have you to must be, be anti-racist. So you were telling me before we did this, because I don't know anything about this. You were telling me that there is binding, hexing, and cursing. And so jinxing. It, and jinxing. So if you could explain the differences between those or among those, and then we can explore. So I'm going to get do. into a little bit of history on it because it is um, murky. All right. Um, so binding is pretty obvious. You are binding a person from doing harm. It's the one, I mean, you, you guys are listening to millennial mystics. You know, this shit that was on the craft. That is actually a spell that you can do. You can bind people from doing harm. There is a um, particular spell that came out in early 2017, I think, or maybe late 2016. I'm not quite sure, but it is, um, a spell to bind Trump. It is something that the creator of that spell has been doing once a month, every month since um, he's been elected or whenever it was that he created it, whether it was, you know, since he took office or whatever, this person has been doing it every single fucking month. So like you can jump on that bandwagon and build that energy. Um, we can link to that too. There's, there's uh, already created resource if you want to bind Trump. Um, a binding is, as the name sounds, just keeping a person from doing whatever it is the parameter is that you set up in your binding spell. You can bind somebody from really any sort of action. Um, in the case of the binding of Trump, it's from doing harm to, um, people that are most vulnerable to his policies. Um, so that includes minorities of um, various races. It includes immigrants. It includes countries um, other than the United States. It includes women. It includes LGBTQ. Like it's, it's everybody. Um, so it's just binding him and his administration from doing harm. So the difference between binding, jinxing, hexing, cursing is 
mostly modern. Um, the history on these things, like the etymology of these words, cursing is probably the oldest. You can trace it back to um, Middle English, Old French, Latin. I mean, there's it's it's an old word, and it's always meant exactly what it sounds like. It is um, a phrase, a um, intent of harming another person with your words. Um, a hex is specifically American German, um, particularly from Pennsylvania. And I'll let Nathan talk a lot more about that because he's, um, very familiar with the history on that sort of thing. Um, but it is an American folklore. Um, no, it is an American born, um, folk magic. Um, and then Jinx. Jinx is a, a lot murkier where that comes from. There's some accounts that it comes from a Greek word about a bird. There are accounts that it is um, related to the jinn of um, Arabic culture. So it's really hard to say exactly where Jinx comes from. Um, and then binding is obvious. You know, a binding is... Um, literally to bind something. That's an English word that I think everybody can understand. Um, and I'm going to be sassy in this episode. So sorry if you guys feel my barbs. <laughs> I'm just tired. But I literally love that about you. So like, why would you apologize? Keep going. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so um, as far as like modern consideration goes of these words the hierarchy of them is a binding is the most gentle version of these a jinx is kind of like a one-shot minor almost like an inconvenience of a person a hex is a physical object that someone creates to cause harm on another person. So a hex is always based in something physical, whether it's a drawing of a symbol or a doll of some sort, or there's a, a lot of different ways to do hexes, um, but it always um, uses a physical object. And the reason that it's not as strong as a curse is because when the object is destroyed, the hex is destroyed. Um, and so the person who creates the hex can, um, break it themselves. If they've decided the person has suffered enough, they can end it. And then that's that, or, you know, it could be damaged from happenstance and the hex will break, or the person who it's cast on can find it and break it. Um, the last is a curse and a curse is, it's, Depending on which one it is, it can be simple magic or complicated magic. Um, it is usually just based in words, and there are certain parameters that um, when a curse is cast, that the person that is cast on will have to meet to break it. Um, and sometimes it's impossible to meet the parameters. Um, sometimes they're generational. So somebody can curse somebody and say 10 generation or 10 um, descendants down your, your 
line um, and the curse will be fulfilled or something like that, you know, if you've got a generational one. Um, or it could be this person is cursed to whatever suffering until the universe and, you know, exacts its judgment and its punishment for their behavior. Um, and then the curse is lifted. Um, so that's kind of like the breakdown of what each of them are. Um, I would say most people are probably most familiar with hexes. Um, they are in America, definitely, um, culturally the most familiar people are really familiar with voodoo dolls and you know other sorts of magical objects everybody has seen the stereotypical you know sort of like talisman stuff and um things like that so that's an easy one for people in america to go to um but anyway that's the lowdown on that okay so what can Okay. Beginners. Let's start with beginners. What can they do um, for like in this space? In this space, I would say the first place to start would be binding. Okay. Binding spell is definitely easy to build on. If you are doing a spell of binding that somebody else has already started and you are adding your energy to it, it just makes that those ropes stronger, so -hmm. to speak. Um, So I would say the Binding of Trump is especially potent right now, whose rhetoric is batshit fucking crazy and scary. And um, if you want to magically add your energy to the Binding of Trump, that's a good idea. Um, Even if you are the kind of person who practices magic for the psychological benefit of it, of the ritual and, you know, putting your energy out there, it's still a good thing to do. Um, I think it puts you in that consistent mind space of, I am working on this, I am doing what I can, and I'm going to leave this ritual and do everything else that I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just, part of the lineup. The next thing that I would suggest that people consider if they want to be more serious about what they're doing um, energetically, if they want to put as much energy out as possible, I would suggest cursing. Um, A curse is as far as um, the parameters of what it takes to create it and to break it go, much more appropriate for what we're seeing. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable with this. They don't like the idea of cursing. They've been taught, you know, with the rise of Wicca and, you know, general neo-paganism that do no harm and do what you will. And the truth of the matter is to do nothing to stand by and not intervene is doing harm. Silence is violence. And if you are going to live that appropriately, then by not stopping these people from their violence, you are also enacting violence. I would also say like one of my favorite sayings is do no harm, but take no shit. 
Okay. And like they're dishing out a whole lot of shit right now. Okay. And it's time for us to be dishing it right back. So I don't see a problem with it at all. You want to talk about like love and light and love your fellow man and all of that. Yeah. Except that like that kind of thinking protects only a certain kind of person. And that like turns a blind eye to the reality of systemic oppression, like systemic generational like total oppression of an entire race of people. Okay. So it's like, we cannot afford to do that anymore. What's more, I really need to point out that a lot of these people who are saying this love and light bullshit um, are the same people who are condemning people for um, violent uprisings. And they do it from the perspective that it is violent, right? But what they're not doing is holding the same sort of standards to police and to white supremacists um, and, frankly, to um, racist by inaction yeah folks like it's just how can you stand there and say to people who are trying to keep violence from happening and who are trying to keep themselves alive that their violence is not valid but everyone else's is also it's just fucking racist if you say love and light it is fucking racist and i'm done Yeah. Also, the other thing is that anybody who's condemning riots, like, you must be fucking stupid because, like, or you, like, never opened a history book in your life. The only time shit got done in America, in anywhere, was because of riots, okay? You want to know how white women got the right to vote in 1920? We weren't out there in, like, little sashes being, like, votes for women, like, from fucking Mary Poppins. They were burning shit down. Like, women were rioting in the streets. It wasn't some peaceful demonstration. It started that way at first, and then it fucking turned into something else. And it was only then where it was like, ooh, we got to do something. They are people. Exactly. Six days of rioting after Martin Luther King died is when the Civil Rights Act was signed. Yeah. It took six days of rioting. Also, and I just want to point out, like, he was a peaceful protester, and you fucking shot him, okay? Like, yeah. he was People didn't shot. like him. People didn't like the peaceful protesting that Martin Luther King Jr. did. Just so- like they don't like the peaceful protesting of Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, exactly. We've been peacefully protesting this for over six years. Yep. And nothing's happening. So enough is enough. This is what, like, you didn't want peace. You didn't want it. I have, like, my, my, my profile on Facebook is totally open and I share stuff all the time. And somebody tried to be like, oh, yeah, look at what the peaceful protesters have done to our, to the greatest nation in the world's capital. I know. And I, my response was just good, period. (laughs) That was it. I'm like, good. Fucking burn down the Capitol building and then you'll get somebody's attention. That's what it takes. Yeah. Yep. We can't keep killing people. We are literally fucking killing people. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Back to magical stuff. 
What yeah. do you need to do? How do you do a binding spell? How do you do a curse? Do you, can you give us like, do you know how to do that? Or is that something where we need to write it up and put it in the show notes? No, I can, I can give you lowdown on quick and simple ways to do it. So a binding um, is super straightforward. You take something that represents that person. Um, and so in some ways, a binding is like a subcategory of an hex because you need a physical item for it, whether that be their name, um, a picture of them, um, just the name of the group. In this case, you can just do white supremacists or police. Um, like write it on a piece of paper? Like write it on a that. piece of paper. Okay. Um, if you want to get specific, you can say police of XYZ city, or you could do police of America, or I, I mean, at this point, guys, if you're listening to our podcast, just write all police. Um, yeah. And anything less is just a cop out. Mm -hmm. um, so write it down or take a photo. And if, the, if it's Trump, it's a photo of Trump. Um, you take thread, string, ribbon, whatever you have, and you physically wrap it around that item and say, I bind you from doing harm. Um, and you can get specific about it or you can get, you know, super basic and say, I bind you from doing harm. I bind you from doing harm. I bind you from doing harm. Um, if you want to be more specific, you can say, I bind you from doing harm to the black community. Um, that, how, many times, how many times do you need to say it? Do you just say it once or like, what do you do there? So... If numbers are important to you, three is a good number, um, nine is a good number, um, 10 is a good number. But um, if numbers are not important to you, just say it until you feel like it's the energy has crescendoed. Um, I find it particularly powerful to say it over and over, not counting and starting soft, like I bind you, I bind you, I bind you and getting louder and faster as you do it until you can feel it in your body. And then it just is like a scream at the end and you can feel that crescendo. It's an incredibly powerful way to do it. Um, and are you wrapping the, the thread around while you're saying it or is yes. it that you wrap it first and then you say, no, okay, you so wrapping as you're, you're saying it. it. Okay, right. if you were to repeat it again, so say it's like, you know, I want to do Donald Trump today, I want to do, and then I want to do Donald Trump again in a month. Yeah. So would you then, like, do you have to take the old string off? Or are you putting more string on or do you start with something new? Start with something new. Not start with something new. Okay. If so you are, um, you can use a candle when you do this, if you want to. Um, if you do use a candle, I would use the same candle every time you do it. Um, and if the candle burns all the way down, start with a new one. That's totally fine. Just, you know, like take it, add the intent to it. Um, I, if you have a candle that is not in glass and you're using it for a ritual like this, you can also carve the name of the person into the candle. Um, or you can, um, carve the name of the group or carve X's. That's the other thing. Um, is just carve X's down the candle. It's a little bit closer to a hex, um, like a hex proper, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it works. Okay. So you can also, if you want to use like 
a chime candle, like one of the shorter guys that just lasts for um, a session, you can do a new one each time. Um, in this case, I would use a black candle. Um, I typically don't play too, too much with color. I usually do um, white to build energy, black to reduce energy. Um, but I do know that the um, person who did the Trump binding spell that we'll link to uses an orange candle because he's an orange motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you can get clever with it. It doesn't have to be serious. You can get, you know, cheeky. Um, that's totally fine. So long as it actually represents the person that you are doing this spell on. Okay. So if somebody wants to curse then how, what do we do then? Can you give us a lowdown? So a curse is a lot more complicated. Um, mm -hmm. if you were going to curse white supremacists, um, what you would probably want to do if you want to keep it simple and you don't want to get into specifics of particular magic practices, um, you would take the um, information of the people that you are cursing. If you are doing it on white supremacists, you would say white supremacists. Um, if you are doing it on a specific person, you would take their full name um, and their address if you can get it. And you would then come up with the parameters of the curse. You would write down what you want to happen to them be as specific mm -hmm. and as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative, okay. <laughs> as you want. And um, then you will write the parameters for what would um, end the curse. Okay. So if you don't want parameters, then don't put that. I would say it is, in my experience, more successful if you put them because really what it is, if you're doing it for the right reasons, um, it is peel it's appealing to the fates. You're asking the arm of karma to come a little quicker. So um, in the case of people doing harm, people who are causing suffering, karma will find them, right? This is a healthy thing to believe. And I don't fault people for operating in a world where they don't believe it because it's hard to see when it does, right? I mean, yeah. like our society is, is built on forcing large groups of people to suffer continuously. Um, Although if you're a Scorpio, you know karma exists because it's your bitch. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I, I really, I personally believe that karma does exist and karma can also be um, something you can appeal to and ask for help from. And so if you're constructing a curse, um, I would suggest that to appeal to justice and karma um, that you put specific parameters that you feel like can be met by the people that you are cursing. Mm. Um, in the case of 
white supremacists, I am hesitant to give people specific parameters for which they can feel like their curses are complete when it comes to white supremacists. I would suggest that you create the parameter to be when black people feel like there is justice. Mm. And if that means that it takes hundreds of years, because frankly, this is a long fight. Racism is deeply, deeply rooted, and those roots are winding and tight. And it will take a long time. It will take a lot of fighting. Um, So if you make it so that the parameters are met, when black people have decided that justice is finally served, I think that's an appropriate parameter for a curse on white supremacists. Um, Yeah, I agree. That's some powerful shit. Yeah. And I'm going to do all of this, just FYI. I've never done this before, but I'm doing it. It's intense. Um, to to actually like do the spell itself, um, I would follow whatever practice you're using that you typically use to build up energy for spells. Um, what do you mean by that? So when people do spells, typically they'll like dance around or have an orgasm or, you know, light a candle and let the candle burn out or whatever they do to build an en- like build energy to the spell and then have that crescendo of energy and then the spell is released. Um, do whatever you normally do. Um, it doesn't have to be anything special specifically for curses as far as I'm concerned um, because I, I feel that all of these spells should be accessible to people. Um, so really just just follow it the way that you would normally um, build that energy. Um, if you don't have a way to, to build that energy, I would suggest... Hmm, Play some Lizzo. I mean, like, that always gets me hyped. I, I would be cautious to bring other people into it. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't bring like the voices of other um, people into your spell. No, I would um if something hypes you up and say it's musical, um make music of your own somehow if you don't have or find an instrumental version. Drumming. Drumming always. No, no, you want to physically do this with your body. You're not building the energy like you're getting ready for a workout. You're building the energy with your body. Okay. Um, Yeah. Crucial difference here. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm, I'm, I'm glad because it it didn't occur to me that people would be like, (laughs) but of course people wouldn't, you know, if you've never built energy that way, then, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know. Um, So yeah, you want to physically build the energy with your body or build it with an object like a candle. Um, 
that's why I said orgasm. Like it's pretty obvious when you've built the energy to an orgasm, you can feel the crescendo of it and then the energy is released. Um, but if you are drumming or like, like I said, with the binding where you're saying it and saying it until like the words are just a scream coming out of your mouth, you can do that with this too. So you can say, um, you know, something along the lines of I curse white supremacists, I curse white supremacists, I curse white supremacists, um, until you feel that energy build. Mm -hmm. or you can um, read the entirety of the curse you've written. Um, If you do physically write it down, I would burn it at the end of the spell. Um, It's just another way to release that energy. That actually reminds me, I wanted to ask with the binding spell, so it's like when you're taking something and binding with it, what do you do after? Hmm. So that is up to the person that's doing it. If you are coming back to the same object every time that you are doing the binding, I would put it in a safe place where nobody can reach it. Um, I am fond of the freezer. Oh. Because okay. it, it it magically like freezes people in place, right? Ah, a lot of Norse sense. traditions to have a very, uh, if you create a box for these objects. Yes. And okay. I have heard of pretty potent hexes when you take the object um, and put it inside of a box that is lined with mirror on the inside. And there are, there's a lot, we could do an entire episode on magical boxes. Um, There's all sorts of um, folk magic around it from a lot of different cultures. Boxes are, are really, really Um, important. So if you have a box that you would like to dedicate to um, jailing these (laughs) items, then have it. Um, Yeah. Okay. But keep Um, it in a place that people can't access it. Um, The other thing that I want to say, like we say, absolutely do not photograph protesters. Do not photograph your... um, your spells. Your okay. spells in general, and especially yeah. these kinds of spells, do not photograph them. I think that's okay. an important note to make, is that it, it's cool sharing your magic and everything with people, but your magic is even more potent when it's secret. Yes. Mm-hmm. So don't do it for the gram. Right. Definitely never do anything activist for the gram. I think it's cool. Right. You're like, hey, this is my my altar setup for the new moon or something like that. Cool. That's fine. But your spells and everything, like, they are powerful when they are secret. Mm. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's good to know because, like, I'm one of those people who lives my entire life online. I'm, like, a budding reality star. So, (laughs) Um, Okay. So, that's stuff that people can basically do at home. So, is the, like, the jinxing... And what was the other one that? It's binding, jinxing, hexing, and cursing. Okay, so is hexing and jinxing something that you have to do in person, or is that other, or is that something else you can do at home? So you can also do those things at home. Um, a jinx is going to be kind of like a one shot. So you would say like X Y Z person. I hope a bird shits on you. You know, like a jinx is like you know kind of petty like that. Um, it's, and it's like quick energy, just, you know, gets the person and then 
you know, the whatever slight is karmically evened out. Um, in the case of the topic of white supremacy and um, pol police brutality and Trump's evil <laughs> policies, um, a jinx would never be enough. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems um, more like in the moment, I guess. Yeah, it's, it would be that, you know, Jeff at work, you know, talked over you again and, told, and stole your idea. So you're going to jinx him to get food poisoning the next time he goes out, you know? Like, yeah, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of petty shit. Um, Which I'm here for. I'm oh, yeah. Fuck I, Jeff. Can I give Just my... kidding, Jeff. Whoever you are. <laughs> I'm sure I know a Jeff that I like. <laughs> um, okay, so like jinxing kind of not, not the best right now. So it's not it, it's not relevant yeah. to what's going on yeah. now at all. A hex would be relevant, um, but considering that it's an object, it is more complicated. Uh, so maybe we'll put resources for hexes for people. There aren't but really. I mean, oh. it's maybe you can write a resource for hexing. <laughs> so well, we, we could. So what I would suggest is that we do a separate episode on hexing. Okay. Um, but I do want to, we've talked a lot and we, we do have a guest who hasn't spoken. I know, really I know. Very much, um, who can talk about hexing. And I think that's actually a really good segue because oh, hexing good. is really important to the information that Nathan has to share about a lot of the history of um, occultism and um, white supremacy, Nazism, all that sort of stuff. So I, ha I have one more question though for sure. like the binding and the cursing. Okay. Is this something that you should do on your own or can you do it with others together? Yes. Okay, cool. So you could all do something together and what does that like build the energy? Or you can do it on your own. Yeah, so you can do either way. All right. Yes, I like that. absolutely. Absolutely 100%. If you do it with a group, um, obviously you're adding extra energy to that. One of my favorite ways to do a spell in a group is to everybody sort of dance and run around a circle until everybody is like screaming and out of breath. Um, that is a huge way to build power. It is phenomenally fun. Um, you all fall to the floor panting and giggling and it's also kind of sexy. So yeah. Be naked. Yeah, definitely be naked. <laughs> And yes, always. I love that. Okay. That's, that's it. That was my last question. So now yeah. let's talk but about- But you can do it alone. Yeah. Because it is COVID. Please do not- Yeah. Don't violate social distancing unless you're protesting. Exactly. And even then, be safe about it. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Let's get into hexing and let's get into the history of occultism because this was brand new information for me. I had no idea that um, Nazis were into occultism. Oh yeah, Nazis are super, super hexes. into it. We have a guest today that we haven't heard a whole ton from. So I think we could probably let him speak for a little while. Um, Nathan, since you're a guest, we have to ask you about your big astrological three and your human design. Well, uh, my astrological three, uh, I'm a sun, uh, Libra sun, um, Aries moon and Aries rising. So much Aries. 
That's a lot of Aries. It's about as much Aries as Sagittarius. This is a really fiery household. Yeah. Oh my God. Now we really got to go on a double date. It'll be like so, we'll be so watery and you guys will be so fiery. It's going to be fun. (laughs) We're going to just egg you on to do all sorts of uh, spontaneous and troublemaker shit. Yeah. Oh, I'm down for it. My (laughs) Gemini, my Gemini ascendant is like, fuck yeah. Ian's the one who will panic. He'll be like, no. I need like okay, three we'll days notice. <laughs> we'll drag along. Yeah. And what's your human design, Nathan? Uh, so I'm a um, generator with a sacral authority. Twinsies. That's so cute. Ian and I are both projectors too. So it's funny how we're in those partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. Just energy, understanding energy. That's so nice, isn't it? Yeah. Well, especially with like, running out of energy at the end of the day, it's pretty easy for us to be like, yep, we're both ready for bed. <laughs> yeah, that's so nice. Yeah. Um, Ian has like, you've seen Ian's chart. He's so wide open. So he's been like, yeah. oh, I'm so tired. Why am I so tired? And I'm like, because of all the protesting going on, like you're just like absorbing all of it. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Whereas us, we can't get to bed before one o'clock. Yeah. Because we're like, we have to keep doing more. We have so much work to fucking do. Yeah. Both of us are like, oh, I can't stop. We have to like literally take our phones and set them aside across the room for and hours. we have to put an alarm to go to bed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's not, that's unlike you guys too. I know you go to bed early, Kaylee, generally. Try to. Try to. Yeah. I mean, like we're pretty good, like when shit's, you know, normal um, yeah. about- spending our energy at a reasonable time um, and getting up at a reasonable time. But now it's just like, what is sleep? There's too much to do. Sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yes. So, so let's get into this juicy goodness. Cause this was all brand new information for me. And I think it'll be brand new information for a lot of people. Yeah. So I think this is incredibly relevant to the times right now. Um, I mean, it's good to understand, I mean, because, yeah, white supremacy and occultism do go hand in hand, and it's not taught as really any part of the history of it, Um, just because it's like, just like most occultism, it's deemed as fringe and not relevant, Um, but it is, it is deeply relevant. And as like, right now, we're kind of seeing uh, a revival of occultism uh coming about and it's important to know where its pitfalls are um and how you can work around them and how you can fight the um the evil in it yeah so folks who are definitely using it for the wrong reasons yeah um so um i guess just a a brief uh historical primer on kind of the kind of the, the origins of um, I guess uh, I guess Norse paganism and its relation to white supremacy is that um, we can start with a gentleman uh, Johannes Björs in seventeenth um, century Sweden, um, and he kind of started a a runic revival uh, in the context of Christianity. Um, and it was kind of mixed with a vague nationalism for the, just for the, 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 the Gothic area, um, Mm. and, uh, Gothic being the, the, 
the the region and culture, not the um, you know nineteen eighties uh, uh, all black. Yeah. Uh, Got it. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say that that had uh, racism necess- necessarily attached to it, but it's seeds of nationalism kind of, uh, uh, in my opinion, sort of branch into it. Uh, mm. Whenever you have nationalism like that, you have a fervor for for race. Xenophobia. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and racism and, and yeah, because it's not it, a far it, step. Yeah, it becomes a whole argument about like, you know, who's more native to this than anybody else you know right who does who deserves this is really where the conversation goes and when we talk about deserving things that's where privilege is when you come when you mix it in with a uh, a higher power potentially right that you are deserving of this higher power then that becomes dangerous too um but anyhow yeah uh, and i when we kind of like chatted about the history on this because some of it's familiar to me but not all of it um you had mentioned that like he found that or believed that the runes were handed down by god right. and that's why they were so deserving of that magic right um, so he, his his context his his uh belief was that the runes and norse magic came down from the abrahamic god uh before anything else oh so it was like a mix of christianity right and oh weird yeah this sounds like the cheesiest young adult novel ever and i yeah, and it's, <laughs> yeah basically and, and it's real life like it's it, real you like, have that vibe throughout the whole thing like, wow yeah so what happened next so um for the next 300 years almost um you know the the church pushed back on that um, and a lot of this belief was mixed in with the persecution of a lot of witches across all of Europe. Um, in specifically in, uh, I guess the, uh, Germania and Iceland and stuff like that, specifically Iceland too. Um, the persecutions were actually a lot of, uh, males, uh, mm-hmm. sorcery was kind of a male thing. Um, not, not that there wasn't persecution of um, female identifying witches and stuff like that, but um, well, the common narrative is like that witch trials were like aimed at women, right? So yeah, so that's that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so for the next three hundred years, it kind of got mixed up in all that uh, until you get to the turn of the twentieth century, um, and to kind of uh put a setting for that um in the the german region uh germany had just become a a country basically a cohesive country uh as germany uh in 1870 um it became germany um so you had this already uh huge nationalism for the area come up um and alongside that, a uh, an occult movement <clears throat> started rising uh, called Theosophy, headed by a one uh, Madame Blavatsky. 
Um, and we can get into that in another episode, but that's where the term Aryan comes from was her philosophies. Um, these people sound like comic book villains. Like it's really, it's so bizarre. Yeah. So we can get into it later on, but saying that you're of Aryan heritage basically is saying you are of Elven heritage. Yeah. It's like actually made up. Yeah. It's, it's like Atlantis shit. But on steroids, like yeah. it's oh my god, yeah, it's really it's, re- it's wild. It's related See. to the whole topic of Lemuria, which is another. Oh, yeah. we got it. We're gonna yeah. have to. We'll do, do an episode on Lemuria. <laughs> like you guys will yeah. love this stuff, and like it, mostly for like the lore of it. Obviously, not for the Aryan shit, but also like it's my understanding that she had no idea that that was what was going to happen with it. Right. So this this woman, Madame Blavatsky, uh, basically channeled all this information um supposedly from spirits of lemuria um reputable source okay sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) right why not and not to not to discredit the the use of channeling no no of course not you're talking to two psychics here but yeah exactly yeah you know there comes a point when you you have to double check yourself uh yeah and three psychics nathan has his own ah, but yes, that we'll that get into true. that's yeah. not relevant to this conversation <laughs> um so we have we have the the uh the Aryan concept from theosophy and stuff like that from lemuria then we have another player um his name is guido von Liszt, and he started the runic revival in the area coinciding with this uh theosophy and occultism revival um, not related to each other though right. at all like those those people did not run in the same circles well the same circles but they're not they're two they weren't partners oh oh yeah. oh yeah. gotcha 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 yeah. um so basically at this point um the occultism and runic revival kind of touched the uh hierarchy in german society and a uh a group called the thule society um, formed with a lot of, uh, if you are familiar with uh, World War II history, a lot of players from the German uh, military hierarchy were in the Thule Society. Um, mm. Now, when you're saying that, like do you, what, is, learn stuff. what is that? Is that Fool as in F-O-O-L? Oh, is that what you're fool, saying? Or is it T-H-U-L-E. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so this is a society that basically got Hitler elected. Um, they uh, they educated him, they funded him, they rigged elections for him. Um, Sounds rigged familiar. elections. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know anything about that? Um, but uh, well, were they doing any magical stuff or was it just yes. like the typical cronyism? So they were deeply influenced by this occultism and runic revival. Um, oh, so that's the connecting piece right. that, that the Thule Society brought those two. Right. Yeah. So um, they, they took, they basically cherry picked the concepts that they liked. They loved this Aryan concept because it, it basically, the, the bullshit part of it really is, Aryans are the outside, uh, the, the, the way German people look. They're supposed to be tall, blonde, and blue-eyed with fair skin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically elves, you know. 
Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they also are supposed to have had like psychic powers beyond any human and stuff like that. Superhuman stuff. Yeah. Essentially, just what it is is it's putting them in a class above other humans. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, coupled with the nationalism, um, you know, this runic revival had its ties to nationalism too, because like, you know, it's it's cool stuff. Like you're you're digging up the lost history of your ancient heritage, um, and uh, you know that's exciting. Um, but when you have people like the Thule Society, uh, people like Heinrich Himmler and Hitler um, picking these things up, uh, that's when they become tools for evil. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, and even uh, just an anecdote, um, even many of the people tied to the runic revival and to theosophy were imprisoned in camps alongside everybody else um if they didn't comply to what the uh nazi regime wanted them to be wow it like turned it's like more and more of like a comic book story right it's like can't get any more well i mean i feel like we could say that a lot about a lot of what's happening right now too like good we will look back on a lot of this and be like you guys really let that fucking happen that's fucking batshit Right. Yeah, that's true. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's the same thing. You yeah. know, we're watching it now and a lot of us are like, fucking told you so because we read the history books. Yeah. But whatever, that's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now we can get into kind of how the Nazis used these things, um, not only magically, but non-magically as well. Um, so first and foremost, uh, Nazis were... Uh, excellent branders. They, I mean, they look slick as fuck, but yeah. uh, in their, their, they, they, you know, forced all the best graphic designers to do their bidding, basically. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you have uh, symbols being co-opted uh, from this runic revival, um, and you can see these symbols in ancient runestones around. Uh, all of uh, the Baltic and Germanic region. Um, symbols like the swastika, um, which is the, uh, the ancient sun wheel. And there's many versions of the sun wheel too. Unfortunately, like the swastika is the, the, the most popular one because it was plastered all over their banners, but they did use the rest of the, sim- the, the forms of them too. The cross within the circle um is another popular one too what's Uh, interesting is like the second you said it's like a sun like a sun symbol mm -hmm. you can see it like immediately you can see how that's a super simplified symbol for the sun and the symbol is replicated and used throughout cultures uh everywhere in the world right Um, every almost every culture has their version of of the sun wheel yeah Um, well i mean like and you've got like actual swastika type symbols from hinduism and um native american tribes it's it's all over the place and not related to each other but you know it's a symbol that comes up frequently um one thing too to note is that the so the 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 indian sun wheel 
is very similar to the Germanic Sunwheel, um, but the the main difference is the angle at which they're they're viewed at. Mm. So the Svastika has um, basically, if you put it within a square, is kind of a diamond shape. Um, mm. It's basically cocked at an angle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the Indian is um, square. Square. Yeah. yeah, it's like a perfect square. So yeah, the angle does definitely tell you the difference. Um, and we should note too that uh, these symbols belong to their cultures and you you need to let them stay in those cultures. Like yeah. you shouldn't be toting around the Indian sun wheel saying, oh, but it's... I'm this is a good yeah. symbol. Like, yeah, no, we don't fuck with that shit. Don't appropriate yeah. shit. We, if you're not Hindu... If you're not from India, like that's not people. yours. Leave it yeah. there. Yes, doesn't matter if you do yoga. I don't want to fucking hear it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm um, looking at you, white women. <laughs> okay, other- so how? So so I guess I'm assuming then, if they're doing all this like wit, like these like mystical things, and mm-hmm. they've got like they're basically forcing other mystics to like work for them, and if not, they're like putting them in camps, and they're appropriating all of this like. Um, symbology it's not a stretch that like neo-nazis would have figured that out and been like oh well, let's use uh, some magic oh yeah definitely so other symbols that the nazis used were um the uh hoggle symbol um as a rune it looks kind of an h like an h but the symbol that they use kind of looks like a snowflake um basically a six six pointed star um mm. Uh, they use that for their um, eugenics program. Um, and that's pretty insidious because the Hoggle stands for hail and hail is a, to the Norse mythology is a seed of life because it's frozen water. Oh God, that's so yeah. fucked. Um, the, uh, the symbol for Tyr, Tyrvas was uh, used for the Hitler youth. Um, the uh, rune Savilo um, was uh, duplicated um, as in, um, basically their initials of the, uh, SS, um, but. So yeah, SS didn't stand for Sevilla, right? Like it was, right. it meant for something else, but they, they stole that, the, um, that symbol for it. So in German, I believe it was the, uh, Schutzstaffel. I, I don't know. I don't know enough German for it. Um, basically it translates into uh, stormtrooper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, More comic book shit. Yeah. Um, but like the rune Savilo is uh, a rune for um, success. Mm. Um, and doubling it doubles its power. So um, they also had children study uh, uh, the Norse mythology and it, Icelandic and Germanic sagas. Um, And yeah, so they really used these things to brand themselves. Um, But all the hierarchy uh, in the Nazi regime knew of the power here. They They would plan missile launches during eclipses and stuff like that and plan other events in astronomical events. It's eclipses are as far as like Nazi magic goes, 
like they're they're significant events um and it's kind of wild that this air this episode is airing on the day of an eclipse <laughs> yeah but, i know right yeah um yeah it's it's really fucking weird so i mean we all we all know history the um well we try some we try. people don't yeah. seem to know history but uh, whatever That's... world war ii ended basically with the nazis being defeated um and uh where these symbols are picked back up uh from the nazis is in um is in white supremacy uh mainly in america but all over the world um and in uh white supremacist neo-pagan groups um i did not know that was a thing that existed until you guys started talking about it yeah yeah so i guess like non-magically um you have groups like the kkk and and you know it, it countless uh, not countless you can count them but um. yeah go for that <laughs> go to the aclu because they have a huge bank and the of, southern poverty uh right i forget law the, center uh, oh i have that mixed up i was wrong it's not the ACL- aclu i don't know my shit today i'm very busy guys i'm sorry <laughs> um but they um so yeah they You'll you'll be hard pressed to find a white supremacist group that doesn't use the swastika, um, just because of its uh, its known use in its um, in its fear it invokes. Yeah. Does do they use any other symbols though? Uh, they use a lot of the branding of the Nazi regime, um, the uh, like the Third Reich eagles and stuff like that. Um, and, my, uh, my big question about neo-Nazis is what kind of spell work are they using? And like, is it something that they're doing like in the line of fire or is this something that they're doing on their own from afar? So that's a good segue into how these people are using this magically and what groups are. Um, but to answer your question, uh, they're using it in every which way that we're using it peacefully. Mm. Um, so you have uh, basically like the, the the magical use of these things in white supremacy started basically alongside the neo-pagan movement period um you had groups uh of um basically the, you can easily the Wic- the contemporaries of wicca yeah it, it, they, they came up the same time yeah so you have uh the odinist movement um and uh the neo-volkish movement um so that's another thing too if you hear anybody describe themselves as volkish or folkish with an f um double check them uh because that is a clear sign that they they may subscribe to these uh, ways of thought yeah it's white supremacy coding yeah so like if you if you know it then you know it right and you're one of them um although like we're here to educate you guys so now you know too um but yeah, and if you don't know it, then you're just a regular neo-pagan. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so we know some of the pagan groups, neo-pagan groups, that are low-key white supremacists. Like, they're not, like, full blast on it. But how can we see this shit, like, showing up at protests and all of these more activist circles? Like, where are these people showing up? Um, so... You will see them at protests. Uh, we saw them back in 2017 with, um, you know, basically just protesting their right to say this bullshit. Like Charlottesville and things right. like that. Yeah. Um, which is a fine line to walk because their right to say their bullshit is our right to say ours. Um I mean, I guess, but when you're calling for the extermination of people and calling for physical violence against people, that's not free speech. That's not free speech, and that's what's happening with this white supremacist bullshit. Exactly. They they play coy with this concept of free speech. Um, Yeah, they're weaponizing it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they they spread it through different means. uh, unfortunately, as much of a metal fan as I am, um, black metal has a huge history in white supremacist movements. Yeah, well, that's definitely fucking obvious. Um, so be careful about who you're listening to. Um, so, but what? How can we tell that? Because it, it, there is coding, right. right? They're not trying to be super obvious in it because they want to be able to keep doing it. Right. So, so where would we see that code? So the, the things that are kind of code now, um, they're kind of making their own symbols uh, in inspiration of older symbols, um, as in the black sun symbol, uh, which is, it's very reminiscent of a sun wheel. Uh, it, it's basically, it basically looks like um, a small circle within a large circle with the Savilo rune around it in rays. Um, That's the SS one? Right. Yeah. Um, So it basically looks like a a very angular sun uh, depiction. Mm. Um, One used by the Neo-Volkish is the Odal rune, or Othala rune, um, which sucks because it's, uh, you know, all the runes have great power. Um, But the reason why they use it is that Odal represents family and heritage and uh any anything that can be construed as family and heritage and um the 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 home and that type of unit so it goes to like they obviously use it to bolster their white heritage white heritage yeah fuck that um so uh look up the odal rune um how do you spell it uh, O-D-A-L, or you'll see it, Othala, uh, O-T-H-A-L-A. Okay. Um, so you'll see that in the Neo-Volkish. Uh, and then, you know, you'll see the other more, um, not, uh, not as covertly, but, uh, you know, you'll see just use of other runes. Basically, when I when I walk into somebody who has rune tattoos all over him, um, who has the uh, you know 
Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, on them. You know, I, I myself, even though I wear those things, I second-guess somebody. Um, mm. And yeah. it, it sucks that you have to do that, but, you know, just kind of pay attention who you're with. Right. Um, so, would there be something that would tell you right away, since you're wearing this and, like, we could look at you and say... Well, that's a real white dude who definitely likes Norse shit. Right. Like, how would we know that you're not one of them? How would you tell that they are or are not part of these white supremacist groups? Um, so, putting those particular signs front and center, like, definitely use of the black sun, white supremacist, hands down. Like, nobody who studies Norse magic is right. using that black sun. It is sun. their new swastika. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, if you see somebody with, uh, a prominent Odal rune, like, they're most likely, most likely, uh, Neo-Volkish. Um. So, like, if you were going to use the Odal rune, you, how would you use it? Would you even bother using it at this point? I would use it within, uh, different sigils. I would never put it front and center. Gotcha. Um, so you would mix it in with <clears throat> other things? Yeah. To, to have a greater context on it? Right. But it wouldn't be the only one. Right. And say somebody isn't a part of this and, you know, just, you know, is up on their heritage, really likes the, the energy of that rune. Um, with a lot of this stuff, you kind of need to, uh, and tread lightly with this, you kind of need to, you know, ask questions. So, I'll admit... we. I have an anecdotal story about <laughs> our first date that I think is, you know, a good illustration of this. So you have some tattoos. Right. And I'm familiar with them, but I had only ever really seen them in the context of white supremacy. And I knew that there were people who um, studied Norse magic that did not use it for white supremacy. I, I had known that, but mm -hmm. I've never met anybody. So I took a chance, you know, <laughs> because you're cute. <laughs> and you, you know, just said, you know, I remember your profile was like, witches apply. And so it wasn't any coding in your profile that had anything about white supremacy or heritage. Mm -hmm. So I flat out asked you on, your on our first date if you were an Odinist. And so, like, people can do that, but that can also be fairly dangerous, right? So yeah. I would really only use that if you have white privilege. Right. You know, like, I was in a public place, in a place that I was familiar for mm -hmm. our first date, which I had picked. <laughs> and, um, you know, I felt safe enough to put that out there and right. to be like, hey, are you into this bullshit? Because if you are, walk out, yeah. you know? Um, so white people, if you see these things, if you are a magic practitioner and you are in magic circles and you see somebody with this specific coding that we've lined out in this episode, you if you feel safe, call them on it. Right. Expose this shit because we have to expose these people everywhere. Yeah, ask questions. Say like, hey, what do you think of Odinism? What do you think of the Odinists? I I mean, for me, I'm much more overt about it. Like, yeah. Like, 
do you fuck with that shit? Because I'll punch you. Right. Like, you know. Because if you have to be a little bit more covert about it at first, you know. Yeah, if you don't feel. questions. Like right, that. yeah. If you don't feel safe to be like, I'm going to punch you for being a Nazi. Um, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely be a little bit more gentle in your questioning, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, pay attention to the bands that they listen to. Um, if you... Any bands we should know? Uh, so the very, like, some of the first black metal came out of the band Mayhem, and they're not necessarily attributed to, uh, Nazi culture themselves, but their, uh, bassist, uh, Varg, um, Varg is, Mm. um, he goes by, he, he produces music by the name of Burzum, um, so he is a batshit crazy white supremacist um, who has, you know, he was in jail for murdering the guitarist uh, uh, for 20 years. Unfortunately, that's... Their own guitarist? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he stabbed him like 40 some odd times. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll want to put a content warning at the beginning of this episode for that. Um, so, okay, so we know they're out there. We know they're in magical communities and that they're, they're trying to be subvert about their practices or just like even trying to keep their practices and not recruit people right. but what can we do as like measures of protection for this and we've got the full moon today so like full moon energy is really really good for tapping mm-hmm. into protective um magic and i there's actually a sigil that um i've seen over the past week um of uh protecting black communities and protesters that i will link to um and i'll be making my own sigils as well yeah uh, and recommending use of other ones uh that are um within the norse magic realm yeah. So, so yeah, what what would you say are some good protective measures against this kind of magic? Um, so some of the, a good uh, overall protection sigil is the uh, Aegis Yelmer. It is a, uh, a type of uh, Galdrastafir, which basically just is a magical stave from Iceland. Um, and the what I like about using this is that white supremacists are trying to use this to protect themselves and it is using their own magic against them Mm, so we can use that and target it towards them right well it so like magically how does that work does it like neutralize what they're doing or does it like so the aegis yelmer translates into the helm of awe which basically uh when confronted with it uh brings fear Oh, this is the one that I've seen them put on helmets, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there, if you, um, I don't know what you would need to Google for this, but there are images from the 2017 um, white supremacy protests, rallies, whatever you want to call it, um, of these white men wearing these like construction helmets, like white construction helmets with this helm on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find these images, they're out there. Um, I didn't realize that you can use the exact same one against them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so the cool thing about Norse magic is that it is fairly neutral to its user. Um, there's no right or wrong, good and evil to it. 
it's just uh, you know if you use it correctly, it will exert its force. Gotcha. Um, that's pretty cool. Are there other groups other than the Odinists? Because I, I realize that we may have we've kind of focused on Odinists and Volkish, but is there um, like a list of groups that we should know about other than those two? So uh, Odinist kind of is a large overarching uh, sect of neo-paganism, but specific ones that come to mind are the Wolves of Vinland. Um, they are kind of uh, a... They operate pretty conspicuously. Mm. Um, yeah, that one is one that I'm also familiar or with. inconspicuously in some, some regards. Um, you know, early on in my... Uh, delve into Norse magic um, you know you, you gravitate towards things that look cool and grab your attention and they certainly grab your attention well I mean like that's exactly it it's, it's the same exact thing with the Nazis like right. it's branding they like they know how to look cool, cool. yeah um, and especially with like you know metal and um yeah, if you have any inclination towards like hyper masculinity, like these guys look fucking cool. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Fuck that. Sorry. No, I mean, there, there's, there's a line of uh, toxic masculinity where, you know, nobody should should breach and try and stay away from. But you know, there's nothing wrong with being. Uh, in touch with your masculine side. That's true. I mean, you know. Um, but for, to any, like, for any gender. Yeah. Absolutely. This just isn't for cis dudes. No. Like, um, if you want muscles and and know how to fight and stuff like that, cool. But uh, anyhow, back to the Wolves of Vinland. Yeah. Uh, they operate out of uh, Virginia, uh, just outside of Lynchwood. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they have a compound called Ulfheim. Okay. Um, which they, uh, you know, if anybody can kind of go visit Ulfheim, I, I suppose, um, and they kind of use that as a recruiting ground, um, at least from what I'm seeing, is that, you know, anybody can kind of go visit there, and if you pass muster, you can kind of hang out with them for a while. And then, you know, it's almost kind of like, um, not as covert, but almost like any cult or Scientology, like Scientology or something like that. Mm. You kind of get into the workings and stuff like that, and they're like, oh, by the way, these are our real motives and secrets. Gotcha. That's insidious. Yeah. Um, yeah, one, once they see that you are of them, they'll tell you what they're about. Yeah. It's pretty dark. And you'll even see, sometimes you'll even see, um, you know, people of color there, too, because... Well, know, that's branding, too. That That's, yeah, because they're just putting a face on it um, to hide their actual motives. They. Um, so when you say people of color, are these non-black people of color, or are these... Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's... Um, because that, that is definitely something that is worth talking about, yeah. that there is <clears throat> racism 
towards black people from non-black people of color and that these white supremacist groups will also weaponize that right specifically there's photos of the founder of the wolves with the leader of an la aztec themed gang Mm. um hanging out in ulfine yeah um and they they kind of use their um you know, I, I guess one way to put it is kind of like uh, brotherly pagan love, because you know, all, right? All cult- all cultures have a have pre Christian, pre Christian, pre colonization, yeah, yeah, nature worshiping, right? Thing, um, yeah, and they kind of use that to bring those uh, other cultures in and put a face. Uh, a, a nice wholesome, not wholesome, I guess, but, you know, wow. safe face. Yeah. Um, uh, a palatable face. Yeah. So, okay, so we have the, remind me the name of it, the Helm of... Helm of Awe, the Aegis Yalmer. Okay, the Helm of Awe. Is there anything else that we can do, like, in protests magically to protect ourselves for people who are going out to, you know, either protest this as a black person in America or um, as a white or non-black person of color protecting these black people that are um, protesting this police violence? So I wouldn't say there's anything specific just to North uh, Norse magic, but, you know, as discussed previously, uh, bindings are awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go out to a protest... Uh, the night before, um, put a binding on the opposition. Right. Um, One thing that I've done before going to protest, because, you know, this has been a thing for me for a long time, um, is putting together, like, a protection talisman. And you can mm-hmm. do, like, if, no matter what... Um, sort of background your practice is in, you're going to find protective talismans. Um, one that I used in particular had red jasper, um, like little chips of red jasper, jet, and kyanite. Um, and so I used the kyanite to help amplify voices that were speaking truth. Um, and then the red jasper was for courage, and then the jet was for um, protection against negativity. Mm. Um, so I combined that with some protective herbs. Rosemary is a good sort of basic one. Basil is also very good for this. Um, into a little pouch, and I kept it in my pocket while I was protesting. Um, you can also add to that this sigil that um, we'll be linking in the episode. I think that that would be another thing that would be a nice thing to add to a pouch. Right. Or, um, and, and or, um, this Helm of Awe. Yeah. I think that that's a great addition to it. Uh, one other thing that just came to mind, too, is... <clears throat> so I mentioned previously their use of the, the rune uh, Tiavas. Yeah. We can use that, too, um, because what Tiavas stands for, uh, it represents the god Tyr, who is uh, not only the god of war, but the god of justice and right action. Mm. Um, so they're using it in such a fashion to say that the god tears behind us and if he deems and if he deems so then we will win but we know our message 
is just and right. Right. So if we bring to the table that same... Like, hey, we're energy. both appealing to tear. Right. Let's see who's right here. Right. And we exactly. know we are. We yeah. know we are. This, there's no no way right. that... Uh, the rune tear, uh, the rune ride, though. Okay. Um, it basically looks like an angular R. Um, yeah. That's uh, less victory-focused, but right action. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, the journey forward. Oh, so. which we definitely need. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for shining light on this, because I think it's something that a lot of people in the magical community are not aware of. Um, I know this is new for you, Jesse. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that you brought a lot of this to light, because it does seem like quite a bit of it is hidden. Um, and, you know, full moon energy, eclipse mm -hmm. energy, let's shine the light on the shadowy parts of this shit yeah. and, and weed it out. Turn their bullshit right back around to them. Fuck yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I've just been sitting here just transfixed listening to all of this. It's just so much to take in. Um, before you go, is there anything else that you want to share? But, uh, so I have my favorite curse from Icelandic lore, um, which uh, I've never exacted, um, but it is pretty funny. And um... Okay, what is this curse? All right, so... What's it called? So um, it doesn't necessarily have a, uh, uh, a specific title, but I just call it the shitting curse. Oh my god. Go on. Uh, it is on page, uh, is the 46th spell in the Galdr book, okay. Galdr book of um, Icelandic lore. But, um, so here it is. I carve these staves, which are so to inflict your belly with great shitting and shooting pains. All these may afflict your belly with great farting. May your posts, bones, split asunder. May your guts burst. May your farting never stop. Neither day nor night. May, may, may you become as weak as the fiend Loki, who was snared by all the gods. So that's it. <laughs> that's right. Shitting curse on white supremacists is beautiful. Yep. And a much better way to end this episode. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You have literally made my day. Yeah. Um, if any, anybody who knows me knows how much I love talking about pooping so you bet your ass i'm gonna be using this shitting curse also thanks again thank you thank you for coming this was all so informative we're definitely gonna have to have you back and i'm so excited in the meantime for those of you interested there's also um a great dialogue going on on the hello universe podcast so make sure you pop over there as well and if you have any resources that you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Instagram at Millennial Mystics. You can find us on Twitter at Mystics Pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast so we can get in front of, well, I would say in front of more eyeballs, but I guess into more earballs. Let's go with that. And with that, if you want to provide us with any feedback, you can email us or hit us up on our website. That is MillennialMysticsPodcast.com. Have a good one, friends. Fight the good fight. Special thanks to Jack De Silva for our dope-ass intro music, Lindsay Allman for our transcendent logo and cover art, and Hope Clinton for her superb audio editing. 
Tune in every Friday for the latest episode. And don't forget to rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.